Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. to Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I'm Greg Waugh. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode, maybe Bigfoot is hiding somewhere in the world. And I show you my prickly pear. And social media, you should get on it, 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 get on it. Then I'm going to pimp Cordova, Spain. But first, Dan, how's your week of science? I had a hangover. It was awful. <laughs> I didn't like it. I do not encourage them. Is it your first one? No. Is it your first hangover? No. <laughs> I hate hangovers. So this was a couple of weeks ago. I went out and had drinks with our friend David Massingham. He was back in town and I went out and got a little bit drunk with him. The next day I felt wrecked. I felt awful. But for lunch, I wanted junk food to soak up the alcohol. But my loving wife, who nurtures me, forced me to have a nice salad. Right. And I said, no, no, because greasy food helps you get over a hangover. Everybody knows that. I always thought that was just comfort food. I thought it was just like, you're feeling bad, eat something that you enjoy. No, it mops up the alcohol. It like soaks it all up and and, and stops you from being gross. And so... (laughs) But she made me have salad anyway. So I set out to prove her wrong and find out what is the mechanism through which this works. Excellent. And and welcome to our new segment, Why the Frog Princess is Wrong. Okay. Sadly, that is not the name of the segment. It doesn't work. (laughs) Why the Frog Princess is right. In fact, greasy food makes a hangover worse. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. We all know that hangovers can make you queasy. Alcohol irritates the stomach lining, causing more acid to be created and can cause vomiting. Yes. Okay. Greasy food has similar properties, so you're just making it worse. But but eggs contain amino acids that assist liver detoxification, including cysteine. Cysteine neutralizes acetaldehyde, and that is is important. Now, when you start drinking, it's all fun and games. It is. It's it's great. There's no acetaldehyde. At the end of the process, there's no acetaldehyde. So where does it come from and where does it go? There is an enzyme called alcohol dehydrogenase, and it sets to work by breaking the alcohol down to acetaldehyde. Then another enzyme called aldehyde dehydrogenase breaks it down further into acetate. It's that middle section with the acetaldehyde. That's the shit that makes your brain swell. Right. Your brain swelling is where the headache comes from. Also... Well, the brain's not actually swelling, though, is it? Isn't it the isn't it the, the 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 bag around the brain like one of the one of the many layers around the brain? No, oh, the the stuff that I said said that the brain was swelling, but that might be a sort of a brain tech- swelling would be would be dangerous and would kill you. Yeah, yeah, I drink a lot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, it's that middle section. Start with the first part and then it sort of evolves into the acetaldehyde mm-hmm. and then from there it goes it's, it is the it is the charmeleon in the charmander evolution of alcohol uh, oh wow you are hip with the kids i had to look that up i've never played pokemon <laughs> in my life <laughs> so a team of chinese researchers working at sun yat-sen university believes that the chemicals that cause an increase in aldh which is the 
enzyme that breaks acetaldehyde into the much less painful acetate should help alleviate the problem by getting rid of that acetaldehyde faster before it can cause brain swelling. Mm. They considered making a drug that would stimulate this behaviour, but first they decided to check common foods. They tested 57 different beverages, ranging from teas to soft drinks, and the one that worked, that, that created this chemical that would break down acetaldehyde into yes. nice, pleasant yes. acetate. Yes. Vodka. That's it. Yes, I was about to say, the hair of the dog. Hair of the dog. No, hair of the dog. no, it's not vodka. Oh, oh you wish. No, hair, hair, hair of the dog. Hair of the dog can mask some of the discomfort, so, but it puts more pressure on your kidneys and liver and That such, sounds so. like most of what you do in your adult life, masking the discomfort. That's just, I'm just pointing that out to everyone. Oh. What are you today? I masked my discomfort. That's oh, hooray. Cheers. <laughs> Clink. And I didn't know. I didn't, thank you for doing that, Greg, because I didn't know you were in any discomfort. So we all won. Yay! <laughs> the answer is Sprite. But li- as, what? The lemonade drink, Sprite. Is it only that, only Sprite, or would 7-Up work? That Sprite is the best one. <laughs> and it, it helps with the ALDH, which alleviates Dan, the problem. Dan, so if you've got Dan, a, yeah. Dan, no, wait, Dan, Dan, yeah. shh. Yeah. Just, just Coming, coming closer, coming closer. I didn't want to ask you a question because okay. the listeners can't hear. Okay. okay. Are we being sponsored by Sprite? Is that what this is? Like, should I be nicer to Sprite? No, we're being sponsored by 7up, and this is really going to f that up. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so, listeners, very importantly, 7up does not work at all. Sprite, <laughs> the, these scientists have discovered, could help alleviate the discomfort of. One part of three Dan, of your hangover. Dan, yes. Dan, come in, come yeah, in, yeah, Dan, yeah. come in, yeah. come in, Dan, yeah, yeah. Dan, Dan, yeah. Dan. We could just Dan. edit out. I mean, we don't have to whisper. Do the do, no, do the do the scientists work for Sprite? I'm not sure, but they probably do now. <laughs> Sprite are very good about holding close the people that support them. <laughs> If you've got a hangover, McDonald's burgers are not going to do much more than increase your queasiness, but a bacon and egg fry-up will help because of the eggs. Or just chug a Sprite, or maybe sip it. Sure. You could have a big greasy meal before you start drinking and coat your stomach and slow the absorption of alcohol, but that would include forethought, which is not the sort of behaviour that you get in the sort of person who ends up with a hangover. That's right. Sprite. So there you go. That, that's actually really surprising to me. So yeah. now, now the question, of course, is that, that we we didn't really answer the first one. Your the frog princess said no greasy food to you, Dan. You must eat a nice salad. Yeah. Was the salad correct? The salad. Oh, I mean, anything with vitamins is going to be of benefit to you because what? we're human beings and we love vitamins and yeah. So it's not... health, healthy food makes you better. It just doesn't make you feel better. Like, yeah. See, well, you want so, well, that, gonna, you gonna, an endorphin rush. You want some serotonin. It's, yeah, it's it's going to be so. Basically, it comes up between you in the constant war in your relationship. <laughs> that's an equal then. That's that's not. She didn't win anything. You 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 um you tied. It's a tie. It's you a tied? tie. I I'll tie. claim oh, a tie. Phew. I, I was worried there for a moment. <laughs> Mammals. President, There's a lot of us are up. President, we're here. Put your hands up in the air if you're a mammal. All the mammals in the house. In fact, how many mammals are in this house? Uh, there's me, and I don't think there's any other mammals in the house. I've got three, although one of them is a frog princess. So that's well, that could that could work. So she, yeah, my wife's an amphibian, but there is a possum still in the roof. <laughs> 
So the number of mammals we had, we had a possum catcher come around. We closed the roof, a new roof. It's all closed, and we knew that there was a possum trapped in there. So we got the possum guy out, trapped the possum, took the possum away. There was a second possum in the roof. That's right. Still up there, starving to death. Oh no! Just waiting for the smell. That's that's the that's that's technique number two. No, we have left. (laughs) Oh, this is what I've had to do. I took the fan, the extractor fan, out of the bathroom. We've set up what looks like a giant lorikeet cage with a wooden ladder that stretches across the, uh, to the ceiling so that it can climb out of that hole and walk across the ladder and eat the banana that we've provided for it and then get out the window. It will not come down out of the hole. It is it having knows. to starve to death because it's a it- stupid mammal. Then these and these are the things. I'm, I'm. It's a, it's a marsupial. It's a placental mammals forever, man. Marsupials are idiots. Marsupials are just the dumbest. They are the dumbest. No wonder they only basically lasted in Australia and a little bit of America, but mainly Australia. They just, yeah. they just can't. They Although, can't. Hack you know what I discovered placentals. this morning is that Australian marsupials all derived from South American marsupials. Yes. Yes. So they, they're they the offshoot. They seem to have evolved in South, what's, what's now South America originally, when Australia was, and was Antarctica and all of them joined together. And then they came over here. They came for an Australian holiday, as many do, and never left. Never so that's left. Good on them. Never left. And Expats. got dumb. Dumb. Really dumb. Cute, but dumb. Yeah. Which sort of rounds out Australia. That's harsh. Harsh. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. Now, how many species of mammals would you think there are in the world? Six, seven, oh, <laughs> like 12. Yep, yep. Uh, Once, oh, um, the, the dog at the end of the street. Oh, damn it, I have to start counting again. The... There are 5,557 species of mammals in the world that we know of. I'm surprised that that number is so small. Yeah, that's. I was actually having the same feeling, and there are some because, scientists. Because whenever oh, they yeah. talk about beetles, yeah, they just add zeros. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're a stupid, stupid. As it was once said, um, God has an, a weird fondness for beetles. Yeah. So it's one of those things where it's like, oh, here's here's a number, here's a simple number, you know, like six, and then there's like a letter in the number to explain just how big the number is. You're like, well, that's how many beetles there are. Well, mammals, don't worry, there's only 5,557 that we've found so far. And there was thinking, well, how many, like, we, we're going to be wondering how many more there are to find, because we're losing them as well. Like, they're dying out. We're losing all sorts of mammals all over around the world. It makes them to, easier to count. Uh, when they're dead. <laughs> yeah, when they're gone. Like, oh, there's right, only yeah. 4,000 types of mammals. This is living mammals now. In the um, Journal Ecology and Evolution, there was an idea of how, wondering how many more mammals we had to find. Have we found all the mammals and how many more there are to find? So by looking at a statistical model of what they used in the past for plant species, they were trying to work out, based on the number we found and the rate it's declining, how many more we should find. Yep. That's, that's, that's the idea. And it looks like... We should be able to find – guess how many more mammals do you think we have to find on planet Earth? A couple of hundred. A couple of hundred. You, you pretty much hit it on the head there. It's 5,860 species all up on planet Earth of mammals. So we have about 303 to go. Mostly little mice and stuff, I'd expect. I can't and imagine that's... there'd be a lot of, like, large-scale quadrupeds, like something like well, well, an elephant but with a giraffe head. 
I thought that too. That's what I was like. Well, it's going to be little mice and stupid marsupial rats and God knows what else, like dumb things that, you know, you find you, you, you're walking through the bush, you accidentally stand too heavy on something. You've wiped out a species. So like, it's kind of like, Oh no, I've killed all the Smurfs. I am, I am Gargamel, but we did work out that those some... were mammals, didn't we? Or fungus. Uh, or fungus, some kind of rat, some kind of naked mole rat in a crypto zoo, a, I do a, believe. A, a mole rat or a fungus, one or the other. Yes, there you go. So that's, you know, we'll talk about fungus another day, I guess. But there have been some really large mammals found, some very, very large mammals found. Um, Clifford? There was a, an orang- orangutan, a type of orangutan that's considered a whole different separate species, was discovered. So they thought it was just an orangutan, and then they went, actually, it's a whole different species of orangutan. So that's oh, a large... hiding in plain sight. Yes, yes. And they went, well, you're, you're just an orangutan. Well, I am, but I'm not. It's kind of like uh, bonobos aren't chimps. They're bonobos. So I used to think pygmy chimps, and then you have, like, pygmy orangutans, and but they're not. They're just a type of orangutan. So, and like, then there's, a, there's the... probably an, a, an ecologist out there looking at elephants and be like, wait a second, that elephant's got a zip on it. And like, zip, and it's like <laughs> a different type of elephant underneath. And there was. You, you've hit it on the head. There are three types. Of, I mean, it's a long time ago now, but they used to think it was two types of elephants. There were Indian and African elephants. And then they discovered there was a third type of elephant. They're like, oh, hang on a minute. Wait. It's, we, we're right. finding these different species. There was, the for, there was the African forest elephant and the African savanna yes, yes, elephant, it. wasn't it? Yes. And, and so the African elephants weren't just one type of elephant. They were separate species of elephant. Same thing happened with, of course, when you're saying looking for little things, in fact, it's the biggest thing they found recently. They found something called, well, they called it, they used to call it a, a pygmy bride's whale, but now they realize it's a whole different species. It's called a murrah's whale. It's a giant whale in 2003 <laughs> discovered. And it's a whole mammal species that no one knew that existed. And they're like, actually, it's just been swimming in the ocean, of which we know very little about. Uh, though we're changing it really quickly. Uh, yeah, so we're looking for 303 species The trick is more. to make a lot of it unlivable, and then all these species have to be in the same spot. Makes them easier to count again. That's it. That, that's our plan. Oh, that's humans our... are great. Aren't we great? <laughs> Good end. I've done that too. No, not for the animals. <laughs> You've convinced me. I'll take it. An excellent choice, sir. The lady in question will be delighted with such an exquisite diamond. I hope so. Oh, wow. Is that the box? Yes, sir. A precisely engineered felt-lined box for the ring. And here is your receipt, the certificate of authenticity, and the death certificate. Brilliant. I can't wait for her to... Uh, um, uh... Sir? I- I'm sorry. Did you just, um... Ah, yes. With so many fakes and lab-grown stones out there, we now provide a certificate of proof that this was mined in an actual diamond mine in Africa. No, I mean the the death certificate. Yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, But... What? Sir, this this isn't some grimy piece of imperfection-free latticed carbon from a science experiment. This is worth something. This was mined out of the bare soil by a small African boy who is, you'll be pleased to know, no longer with us. This is unbelievable. That's why we have the certificate. No, it's unbelievable this is a selling point. Sir, why do you think it's so expensive? Without the death certificate, it's basically the same substance as the core of a lead pencil. I don't want it. Take it back. Take it back? Take it back? 
Sally has died, and you don't even want it? I, uh, I well, I... Uh, you're a monster. Do you like delicious fruit? I do. Actually, I really do. I uh, really like... Actually, I really do. Yeah. This is not a story about that. This oh. is a story about an interesting piece of fruit called the prickly pear. Oh. Yeah. It's, it, it's yeah. a fruit? Well, it does fruit. Oh, it, it does? does? Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah. Prickly pears were imported in large amounts into Australia in the 19th century. No good story begins like this, Gregoire. <laughs> Wasn't it brought in to, they thought it would be a good natural barrier for cattle. So they thought, well, we'll, we'll put it in hedgerows and the cattle won't go through. That's better than having to put fences everywhere. Uh, I didn't realise they were for cows, but yes, they certainly used prickly pears for hedges. But the first mm. time prickly pears came out here was actually with the first fleet. Oh, Governor nothing, Arthur... nothing bad ever happens with the First Fleet. Yeah, that was, the, that was the least of the th- problems that arrived with the First Fleet. <laughs> Good stuff. But Governor Arthur Phillip was hoping to start up a uh, cochineal industry. Cochineal is a beetle that you use the beetle to crush up and make red dye. Yes, yes. Okay, that That's never not... really took off, but more prickly oh. pears came so that they could be made into the hedges that you're discussing. It was spread through the country by birds and cattle who would eat the fruit. Oh, thank so goodness. Fruit. Uh, yes. in, Fruiting bodies, yeah. In, about, in the year 1870, it was considered a useful crop for emergency stock fodder. So, great. Like, great. All, all going well so far. Yeah. In this beautiful, could go undamaged country. So, <laughs> prickly pear, nice and easy to grow. It loved the conditions in Queensland and rapidly took over 40,000 square kilometres of farming land. Yep. Uh, for our US listeners, uh, that's just shy of the size of about five trillion Manhattans. <laughs> five trillion? Yeah, assuming the glass they're in is about five and a half inches across. Very good. Okay, at what's the beginning... In- what's an inch, Dan? What's an inch? <laughs> uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one. And no one knows. It's, a, it's an archaic measurement from a, from a defunct culture. I'm not too sure. I feel really bad about that because I said I wasn't going to be ragging on imperial measurements. I can't. It's a sickness. I can't help myself. I'm I'm only doing it when I can come up with a great joke like the five trillion Manhattans joke. All right. (laughs) At the beginning of the 20th century, it had hit six times. Do you need a moment? I do. I'm good. I'm sorry. Sorry, go on. Okay, so 40,000 square K. At the beginning of the 20th century, it had hit six times that much area. Not good. Not good. Not good. Enter our hero, Dr. White. Dr. White was the country's first line of defence. Dr. White had a research farm out near Roma in country Queensland, like allocated by the Australian government. Research orbited around poisons and management of these plants with insects. The team found a combination of poison and cochineal beetles very effective on some strains of the plant. And then finally, a moth called the Cactoblastus moth was discovered. Which is the best name ever. Oh, my God, isn't it? Cactoblastus. sounds like an upgrade in a shoot-em-up. Yeah, <laughs> always like a Pokemon. Ah, uh, Cacto, I went to Cactoblastus. Woohoo! Okay, so it starts off with, like, spiny and then thorny and then Cactoblastus. That's it. You've got it. Yeah, I like final it. form. Okay, so cact- the Cactus Blastus moth was discovered to be incredibly powerful against the most prevalent species of prickly pear. The larvae tunnel inside the plant, eating it from the inside out. The moth stays on the surface, extracting the moisture. It is considered 
to this day to be one of the most successful instances of biological pest control ever done. Was that the CSIRO? Uh, I think this was pre-CSIRO. But, uh, CS, um, CSIR then maybe? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I think it's, it, yeah, it's people who became them, or maybe I'm totally wrong then. You want to hear the most amazing part of this story? I do I ever? The most incredible part of this story. Dr. White was a woman. Gasp. A fragile member of the weaker sex was the head <laughs> of the project, like in charge <laughs> of men. Like they had men, male scientists, but this they put a woman in charge. My monocle's falling into my Manhattan. I know. <laughs> Dr. White was the second woman to be awarded a doctorate of science in Australia. And this is the first ever scientific appointment of a woman by the Australian government. Good Lord. So nowadays, rural Queensland is full of agricultural land. There is still some prickly pear out there, but it is managed. It was yes. beaten into submission by a combination of beetles, poisons and moths. And for that, we can thank Dr. Jean White, PhD. Woman. <laughs> Yay! I've actually seen at the um, near Chinchilla, which is in sort of Western Queensland, there is a, a monument to the Cactoblastus Cactorum moth. Oh, you've seen it's, the monument. I read about yes, this. Yes, I've, I've been in Chinchilla quite a yeah. few times. It's for like, work, oh, this uh, woman, this with... woman, like the first woman scientist is like, yeah, yeah, but we want to put up a monument to the beetle. To the yeah, moth, yeah, to the, the insect? It's like, but yeah. she did all the work. I mean, they just ate that. No, no, we definitely want a beetle monument. <laughs> it's, it's, Can we get a beetle. male beetle on the podium, like on the monument? Can we make sure that's a male beetle? <laughs> it's, um, it's but the, the males only... don't lay the larvae, and the males are smaller. It's like, yeah, but but we they just give off this impression of, like, of competence. Like they seem like a more competent-looking animal. I, th- it was good to see the uh, the monument. It's just a little monument, and as they point out that the, the building that it's the, that's near the Cactobus Memorial Hall is the only building dedicated to an insect, and it's only one of the first insect memorials ever built. The uh, first one was in 1919, the Boll Weevil Monument in Alabama. Oh, there you go. So and what does the Boll <laughs> Weevil do? I wonder. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Right in. Anyone from Alabama? Uh, right in. Has anyone US seen the Bold Weevil Monument? We'd love to know. If you're still angry, unless you're still angry. Once you've finished writing your emails about uh, us mocking your measurements, please email us in and explain to us why the Bold Weevil has its own monument. <laughs> Is it because, did it, did it like run for president or was it, was it the first Bold Weevil to be president? I'm not too sure. Maybe, like, it- maybe. Oh, God, here we go. Maybe it was the insect world's greatest stunt driver. Bull Weevil Knievel. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This is the end I think, of this no, I think segment. The podcast's over. That's it. I think we, we just shut down the whole podcast. Yep. We're done now. We're finished. Thank you, everyone. We've had a good rate year run, but I think now that we've, we've peaked, we don't want to peak any further. I, I, I do like the notion that there are listeners out there who are just like, Oh, he's not going for that joke, is he? <laughs> Just watching it coming at them like a deer in headlights. Everybody knows. Oh, great, because that includes me. Everybody knows that social media is an echo chamber. Yep, I did know that. You go onto social media and all you're doing is in a bubble that tells you what you want to know yep. by people who, who want to tell you all about it. Did you know that Donald Trump is the literal spawn of Satan? 
So, and right. there are pictures of him coming out of the egg. And and did you know that that guns are really good and guns don't like I love guns and that everyone everyone knows that guns are great. That does not line up with my findings. <laughs> Let us have a we gentle a and sensible conversation so we can work out who's right and who's wrong and where I'll the grey areas are. Ah, ah. Anyway, the point of this is that we all know this. This is, this is well known. And in fact, it's article after article is written about we all live in bubbles and they're self-created bubbles and social media is just a big echo chamber what if, and you're not learning What if you're only reading the websites where they're like anti-bubble and there's like a whole bunch of websites out there which are like, no, we don't live in bubbles at all, but you're just too sheltered to uh, be exposed to them. Well, well, that's... Yes, now I'm confused. The point of this is that actually... We don't live in bubbles at all. We don't live in social media bubbles. The, the 2017 paper in the European Journal of Communication absolutely refutes this claim, saying that online discussions happen within echo chambers or bubbles, that, that they don't actually exist at all. So we have an idea of it is, but it actually doesn't seem to be that way. So the idea is that... Yeah, explain the idea, a, because I am baffled. <laughs> if we, it, it, says it does seem counterintuitive, but... If you get your news from one or two areas, so as in, like in the old days, you get it from one newspaper or two newspapers or are now online from a couple of newspapers, then that could be a bit of a bubble because they do have biases. Even, you know, lefty, righty, centery, whatever is your is your kink, then you're going to probably gravitate to the newspaper uh, or the news outlet that affirms what you want to want to know okay social media doesn't work that way and you actually do expose yourself to many different sources because not all your friends are going to be the same and we have friends who are definitely not the same politically uh, bent to us a lot of them are but a lot of them aren't big shout and... out to al crawford dr al crawford <laughs> good friend of the hey, podcast al. hey al and that's that's really good. So it, I, I disagree with him a lot of the time, but I don't feel the urge to murder him because he has a different view to me. Oh, actually, sometimes I do. And I'm sure that sometimes he wants to murder me, so that's all fine. Uh, Put him in a, a big jar and make him fight. That's what I reckon. <laughs> like angry, angry beetles. Even if we curate our own social media, you don't actually – you will be exposed to lots of different ideas and lots of different sources. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be a well-rounded human being. It's not saying that. No. It's not going that far. The, the evidence seems to be that the average person do, is exposed to many ideas, and normally they make you very angry. So like, <laughs> you have the ones that yep, you like. that's my experience with social media. <laughs> yeah, the ones that you like, and they're great, and the ones you don't like, and they make you angry. Now, obviously, if you have ones that you don't like, you can't be in a bubble. You're not in a bubble unless you unless you go block, 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 and you block all the people with the wrong the wrong ideas. You see what uh, I just did there? So the bubble is actually in your head not outside your head. And there it is. Something called motive. Brains are full of bubbles. (laughs) Which we get to a doctor quickly. It's called motivated reasoning. And this is emotion-based decision-making. Because of emotional impulses, we act negative to voices that disagree with our own. And we spend extra energy to reinforce our own points of view. And anecdotally, I've noticed this in myself. And I've noticed this in other people. Very rarely do you argue with such vehemence for an idea you believe in, unless someone's fought you. Like you, you don't have to reinforce with someone. But if someone comes in and says, "I actually disagree." A big fight normally, well, not normally, but can erupt. So the issue isn't with the social media. The issue is with the person between the chair and the computer uh, screen. So it's not the L media part; it's the social part. 
Yes, society yes. part. The, the society the media, I mean, society is the problem. Yeah, that's so. So when I say you're the problem, I mean you, gentle listener. Uh, <laughs> and 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 no, I mean, I'm looking at Dan, but I mean the listener, and I mean myself. I mean it's all this. So don't discard social media as a pointless thing that is a, a big bubble. In fact, it's it will, if you use it correctly, expose you to other viewpoints, which will inoculate you against fighting with people who you believe are fundamentally wrong. Now, some of those people may be fundamentally wrong and even flat out evil, but most of them aren't. And most of them just have a weird idea about something or are ignorant about some cause that you learned about yesterday. Um, so <laughs> maybe be cool a bit. Maybe don't think that everyone's a monster. Maybe maybe just be a little bit nicer. Uh, I look, I'm naive. What would I know? Please send your angry emails to dan at smartenough.org. Unfriend. Unfriend Greg. Unfriend. <laughs> dan Beeston. I am here naively just gazing around wondering what's going to happen next. I've put some tasty alcohol into this time machine. Please step inside. Oh, I'm trying to cut down a little bit. And, oh, look, you know what? One drink won't hurt. That's right. In you go. In you, An hour's worth of alcohol. An <laughs> hour's lot. worth? In my time. Specifically, a specific time period for alcohol. I love oh, it. The tastes door quite nice. You. Yeah, no, I like clank, it. Clank, it's clank, lovely. Clank. I pressed the button. Yeah, it's Cordoba, Spain. Ah, oh, this nine, is nine, nice. Nine, I'm enjoying AD. this alcohol. Uh, do you have anything to drink for? Where the? F- How did I get? Ah, oh, goddammit! You're in Cordoba, Spain, Dan. In one hour, you must learn to pimp your time. All right, Cordoba, the south of Spain, Espanol yes. uh, is the language. Well, possibly not at the time, but doesn't matter because I can speak the language probably, when I get there. Probably not at the time. <laughs> it used to be a Roman settlement. Ooh. Then it got colonised by Muslim armies. They slurped up control in the year 711. Ah, oh, it's very good. By the year, it's, 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 it's clever more than it's good, I think. <laughs> I think that's how that works. Okay. By the year 800, it had become a mega city with 200,000 inhabitants. When I arrive, it is called the Apogee of the Caliphate. There's half a million people here. Wow. You've dropped me into one of the most advanced cities in the world. It is a great cultural, political, financial and economic centre. This is the capital of Islamic Spain. Lovely. I turn around and there rising in front of me one of the most beautiful pieces of architecture I've ever seen. It is the library of Al-Hakam II. Ooh. A bastion of 400,000 of the most precious pieces of philosophical literature in human history. This is the building that could lift Europe out of the dark ages that they're currently stuck in. If I could get this stuff to Europe, I would make out like a bandit. And with 400,000 items, if I five-finger discount a couple of hundred, who's going to notice? <laughs> Ooh, I'll that just, could end badly. I'll just, check it, I'll just check them out and then not bring them back. 
Now, Al-Hakan II is super worried that this collection won't last long. And he's right mm. to be, because his successor burns almost all of it to please the Muslim clerics just after his death. Oh, no. So, I've got to get access to these writings before Al-Hakan dies. If I can do that, I will be laughing. Sadly, this requires you to have sent me back 26 years previous. God damn you to hell, Gregoire, and all Muslims. (laughs) F*** you, Islam. I want to go on record that the Muslim religion is a bunch of fanciful stories, winged horse my ass. Right. Wow, um, that took a turn. That took a turn. (laughs) There are a few bits of precious philosophy remaining. But that just makes it all the more rare. And thus, so, it's all been, so everything's been burnt. So 26 years ago, everything got burnt. Lots of stuff got burnt over the last oh, 26 no. years. I've turned up in the last couple of years where right. maybe oh. there's a couple of bits and pieces left. Some people have rescued bits and pieces of it. They are oh. very rare and very precious. And there is no way that I can pinch them without being noticed. Mm. But... It's not the pieces of paper that are the precious bits. It's the information on them that is so powerful. So all I need to do is make a couple of copies, a lot of copies. Okay, so those would have value. How would I make a copy? Handwrite them? Nah. Takes too long. Not scientific enough. Right. Good, good. So this is what I want to do. I am going to make a medieval photocopy machine. (laughs) Of course. Of course. That's, of course. The, the, the simple and easiest way to answer this problem. Photocopy. Yes. Don't look at me mm. side-eyed, you. This is a I'll great a plan. Here. This uh, is a great plan. Now, um, um, normal photocopiers use electricity and yes. toners and stuff, and I do not have access to electricity. It's nine ninety nine. So I'm not going to invent electricity. Okay, so I can't make a photocopier. So, simple, I'll just make a camera. I'll take a picture of of it, and then I'll just have a photograph of it. Sure. Okay, pinhole cameras are easy. Mm. The camera obscura has been around for for years previous. Maybe Mm. not in this Mm. part of the world, but I've made a pinhole camera. They're fun. You just make a box with a tiny, tiny pinhole, face the hole towards your subject, and that image gets cast inside the box. Tiny hole means high resolution. Big hole means sort of fuzzy, but faster. Sure. So the only trick here, the only trick is I need some sun-sensitive paper. So photographic paper that reacts to light. Yes. Okay. Okay. Oh, you could. Hang on. You could. You could. I know we don't want to help each other. You could just have like a whole lot of dudes next to a wall and then write it on the wall and let's get them to write the picture on the wall, like colour it in with pens. This is a brilliant idea. I could also get them to hand copy each letter. Oh, I mean, good this thinking. is what we're trying to avoid. <laughs> good point. Good point. Okay. Okay. But it's good to see that you're thinking five minutes behind. All right. So. <laughs> Look, it's time travel. It's difficult. I mean, like, I don't remember which order it goes in. Uh, is, it, is it effect then cause? <laughs> okay. So I need some sun sensitive paper. Okay. It's a chemistry problem. So I am going to do the smart enough to know better chemistry joke. Mm. 
All I have to do is get my hands on some iron hexacyan ferrite 3 or Berlin Green. It's a well-known photoreactive chemical. When exposed to UV light, it converts into iron hexocyanoferrite 2 or Prussian blue. (laughs) Berlin Green is water-soluble and Prussian blue is not, so you wash the paper and the paper exposed to light remains blue on the page. I think we know where this joke's going. I don't know enough about chemistry to do that. Like, like, if we yeah. if we knew intermediate chemistry, this segment would be a lot easier. It would be, yes. Like, I always assume there's lots of very intelligent people who listen to the podcast going, well, then just go do it then. Just yeah. go do that thing you just said. The, the just problem, go do that thing. The problem with chemistry is you've got to source things. And I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to get fluoride from. It, and also, it'd be hard to explain to someone who didn't, you go, can you get this stuff? And they go, where do you get it from? And they're like, well, it comes from certain rocks. And you're like, uh-oh. And, and like, they wouldn't know enough to go and get it. Yeah. It's like, what but rocks? You can't explain oh, it, and they don't what, know what it is. They're, they're kind of white rocks. And if you hit them with a spectroscope, you're a what scope, yeah. sorry? Yeah, yeah, it's like, you mean a witch finder scope? Uh-oh. <laughs> so uh, just chemistry is just out until, like, not the 1930s or something. <laughs> 18, yeah, the 18, 1800s, maybe, but yeah. <sighs> So they were doing X-rays in the 1800s. You realize? Hey, they were X-ray. doing X-rays in the 1800s. Oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Can, can you send Did, one of them back to, to help me? Uh, no, I sent some alcohol. I think no, nothing went back with you. That's right. Nothing goes back, man. Nothing goes back. Dang it! Except your plucky at can-do attitude. Did, did I get to keep the alcohol in my stomach from the drinking in the time machine? But that would be mean if I didn't. Yeah, that's what I thought. I would sober up so quickly. Okay, so I can't. You would need do... to have a lot of Sprite back there. Put it that way. The hangover would be insane. <laughs> so what goes in a Sprite? Well, you start with this chemical. God damn it! <laughs> okay, I need something else that reacts to sunlight. Your skin. That's my skin. Interesting. <laughs> Horrifying, but interesting. <laughs> and you're just making all these parchments out of slaves' freckles. I like that idea. You're like, um, Al Hakan, hi, I'm Dan. I'd like to, um, I just need your whitest slaves, your whitest slaves. Any, do you have any really white people from the north? Could you go get some for me? I'm just wondering. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, we, I we, only we, like the white ones. Yeah, we, we don't see colour in slaves. It's like, oh, no, 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 it's not like that. It's, it's not, not like that. Thing. No, it's That's not. Right. Sorry, it's not race thing. It's just that. When I murder them and tan them, <laughs> get out. Okay, so better plan. Excuse me, are you the man who was just decrying my religion only 42 minutes ago outside my window? Oh, you you could hear that. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, you no. said it very loudly in a library. Oh, uh, no. We were trying to shush you, but um, but no, that didn't work well at all, did it? But I mean, winged horse, really? Does that? And like, you know what? I'm just going back. You know what? I'll find a different solution to tanning your slaves. <laughs> you do you. An the artist. And the second says, "You do you." Yeah, you do you. But uh, I hope you can do it with only one hand. I think. Is the... <laughs> okay. So, an artist called Bin Dan found a way to print images onto leaves. What? Bin Dan is an artist. He begins by picking the leaf. To keep it from drying out, he fills a small transparent bag with water and ties it to its stem. He places the leaf on a felt-coloured board. He puts a negative directly on top of the leaf and he places glass over the leaf, clips the glass and board together and puts the assemblage on the patio roof. Once it's done, all of the leaf that is in full sunlight is more faded than the rest of the leaf, which is the original leaf colour. 
He takes a leaf, fixes it in resin and frames it. This can take a week to do. What I do, I do not have transparent bags. I get a nice big leaf. I press it between two pieces of glass. Fill the void with water so the leaf doesn't dry out. Set it in front of a pinhole camera. It's going to take weeks. So I need a bunch of them to make copies. After many weeks of sunlight, I can dry the leaf out, at which case the colour stops changing. Yes. I can dip it in wax to seal it, and that seals it off from the air, but doesn't really obscure it too much, and then press it between glass. One photocopy, time-pimped. I can take copies of all of the most incredible philosophy from this library that still exists and sell it in Europe, where the Dark Ages will become enlightened by Dan Beeston. How long will that take? A while. <laughs> like years? Yeah but, I years don't have, but yeah, but I don't have to copy it out, and that just seems like a pain. Wouldn't it be easier just to copy it out? Uh, it would, but it wouldn't be quite as interesting for our listeners to listen to. <laughs> I, like I made a copier. I made a photocopier. You, you should did. be impressed. No, no, I am, I am actually very impressed. It's just the time. I'm, I'm intrigued by it because I'm trying to work out, would, would the leaf die before it, you, got, you got an image onto it? Well, the leaf's already dead. It's just... Oh, right. Okay. It's, it's off the tree. Yes. But it's, it's moist, so the cells are still... Uh, yeah, the cells are still pliable <laughs> and the chlorophyll's still... So it's not drying out and... Breaking the cell structure, I think, is what's happening. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. But th- th- I, I want to know this. How I want to do this experiment now. I, I'm very excited by that. It's by the way, a good you made one, a photocopier. Isn't it? It, at 1000 AD or 999 AD, you made a photocopier. But I, I, I want to know. I want to know if it works now. That's that's exciting. I, I now need to make a time machine and send you back. Um, mm. I'll, I'm not that. I'm not confident enough that this is gonna. No. No. Oh, alcohol. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> and oh, so just... effect. Effect is ahead of cause once again. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Next time, Greg, you are going to Kodiak Island, Alaska, the year 1776. 1776. Oh, 17. That's excellent. I know that number. Kodiak. Hang on. Kodiak Island. is Is that named for the bears? Please tell me that's not named for the bears. Please don't tell me that's named for the bears. Uh, is it the, the one in Alaska? Yeah. yeah no, I, I don't I, know. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that oh, was where the bears no. came from. They're very large and they're very angry about things. Have fun with that. Welcome to the Walk of Shame. This is the segment where you write in and tell us where we've made mistakes and we embrace them because we would prefer additional knowledge to the illusion of being some sort of geniuses. That's right. Greg, what That's have you week. got for us uh, this week? We've got a couple here. I've uh, got from, I, I love this one, yeah, being technically correct, the best sort of correct. Yep. This is from one of our listeners and from one of our Patreon members as well. This is from Eric Wilson, one of our listeners, one of our Patreon supporters as well. Hint, hint. He wrote in, and I'm going to quote this to you, Dan. Yep. In episode 138, Dan loudly exclaims with a whine in his voice, who cares about hot air balloons? All right. They've been around for 200 years. Or, uh, yeah, you, you know what? You don't have to – what's with this colour that he's adding to the email? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm just saying what the people who pay us money to say, say. That's I, I'm I, mean, I I'm always just... have a whine in my voice. Like, there's no <laughs> – why is he specifically pointing out that moment? <laughs> 
So he wrote, yes, it's hot air balloons. Who cares about hot air balloons? They've been around for 200 years. You, you decried. It means it wasn't around 200 years or leave room for hyperbole. So the first flight was the 19th of September, 1783. So it's 237 years ago. Get your shit together, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I am. So Eric's thing is, if you're going to be correct, you have to be technically correct. The best sort of correct. I am suitably chastised. Thank you, Eric, <laughs> for contacting us. Uh, so is he one of our high-level patrons? Is this why the bile came out? Is because he because I abused him last episode? <laughs> yes, I think I so. Yes. That's what's going on there. <laughs> okay, Alana Mitchell has written in. Written in. Oh written God. in. Write in next time to tell me that I don't know how to spell the word written. Say say that pronounce the word written. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, let's try that again. Alana Mitchell has written in to tell you, Gregoire, that humans uh-huh. did not domesticate cats when you said humans domesticated them because you said uh-huh. that the dogs and cats were the first ones domesticated. Wild cats lived side by side with humans for thousands of years before domestication occurred. They domesticated themselves. In Mesopotamia, wild cats were drawn by the prey into human settlements. Humans let them stick around because they were useful as rodent patrol. This is considered a commensal relationship where the wild cats adapted to a human niche but does not necessarily indicate domestication. What this means is that cats were not the second animal domesticated. Sheep and goats were domesticated after dogs. Feline domestication did occur in approximately... 4,400 BC, when the Egyptian cat started spreading into the old world along trade routes. The Egyptian cat was different to the cat that hung out with humans in Mesopotamia, although both these cat species contributed to the genome for the modern-day domestic cat at different points in history. That's, that's pretty cool. That's that's pretty in-depth. Thank you. Thank you, Alana. Isn't that a good I, one? That's actually pretty good. That's, that's researched. That's actually, like, proper researched. Good Lord. Probably better than what we do for the show. Uh, well, no, that's that's what we want for the Walk of Shame guys. Don't don't <laughs> listen to Greg and assume you can just make stuff up or use this thing that you half heard of. Find a friggin' at least find a friggin' web page that says, "Oh yeah, yes." Another one also from Eric Wilson, uh, who seems to be going who seems to be going for you at the moment. Yeah, I can't imagine how that I've become a target. <laughs> In episode one thirty seven, let's just, remember, the let's just remember who set me up to have to abuse the listeners. That wasn't my decision. (laughs) In episode 137, during the burlap discussion, Dan quickly said, you get cotton buds from cotton trees. Straight from Wiki, the plant is a shrub native to tropical and subtropical regions around the world, including the Americas, Africa, and India. So being technically correct, 98% plus of the world's production of cotton comes from shrubs and plants, with less than 2% coming from trees native to Pakistan and India. Wow. So, it does, so there are so it actually cotton trees. Yes, it does. Yes, that's right. There you have it. Wow. So 2%, most of it comes from shrubs and yeah. plants. Yes. Have you ever yes, seen wild it. cotton? I've only seen, no, I've only seen domesticated cotton in outback Queensland, arid Outback Queensland, they grow cotton, a water-dependent crop that requires immense amount of water. They decided to grow large tracts of it in arid Outback Queensland. Arid, arid. That means wet, right? That, that, yes, Dan. That, <laughs> it means it's very, very, very dry, has drought conditions, and for some reason, farmers think it's a great idea to... to, to 
Can't they just put like broken. lots of life-giving water into like big tanker trucks and then burn a lot of fossil fuels to like drive uh, out there? And then you pour water on the ground, you pump it up from bores, and then there's lots of salt in the ground, and you get salty ground which kills everything. And but salt is delicious, Greg. Uh, Everyone wants more salt. Uh, you don't want to so become angry. hyper, hyper. I can't. I can't Hydro. stop. Okay. <laughs> I'm very handsome. Yeah, he's for listeners. He's flailing around uh, like he's an inflatable creature trying to advertise cars. Ah, I'm so angry. It just I used to I used to drive past it once, like eight times a year. I used to drive to that area for my job, and every and I'd be driving down the road, getting angry and angry at the pretty fluffy shrubs. <laughs> the people working with me were noticeably upset by my anger. Yeah, because <laughs> you're stuck in a car with me for eight hours. That's always an exciting. Exciting thing. Yeah, well, I, I often host a lot of parties, and when I find helium balloons, people regret hiring me. <laughs> Even though the, the amount of helium is, they, they keep finding more of the damn stuff. So. And I think they worked anyway. out how to make it a little bit more effectively too. I, uh, I mean, I am hearing that the the big helium sh- shortage is not the biggest yeah. problem. That... It, it's not making it because you need nuclear processes to make it, but yeah, it's just finding more stocks of it. Just like oil, they keep finding, or the technology increases so they can get to the access to the stuff they couldn't get access to before. It becomes financially viable to do it. Hmm. Uh, but still, stop using bloody helium. I want MRIs when my when my body eventually explode, explodes and my External carapace falls off, and my true glorious form underneath emerges. And you float up into the into the sky. You <laughs> so, lighter than air, voice. Goodbye. Okay, is that it? <laughs> yes. This is all everything I've done wrong. I don't know what ha- I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Brilliant. If you hear Greg say something that is wrong, find out what it is and send it in to Dan at smartenough.org. And eventually, one day, Dan Beeston will make a mistake, and on that day. I want you to write it down and enshrine it in a lovely bronze plaque and, and then research why I was wrong and send that to Greg at smartenough.org. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. Also, Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on the social media where everything is not a bubble after all. <laughs> uh, all of those links are at our website, smartenough.org. Why should I keep telling you about at SE2KB or at SE2KB at the other place? When That's right. you could, it's all at the one-stop shop at the website. And you can yeah, even ch- like make comments on in the comments section of each episode and click on the show notes, which are links to all the stuff that we've talked about. Hey, can we ask, I'm going to ask the audience for a, uh, a, a favour. Could you please go and like the SE2KB Facebook page? So it's actually smart enough to just type in smart enough to know better on Facebook and like the page. That'd be really helpful to us. Thank you very much. And I have been putting up lots and lots of interesting articles that I find, and there are polls, and there's an ongoing Philosophy Friday, which is kind of exciting. So I come up with an interesting philosophy kind of idea which you can get involved in and argue about with people who you'll fight fists and it's normally pretty cool but someone who's staved off facebook for like eight or nine years you have him you've gone in you've jumped in feet first at this point <laughs> i see you're used to it i like things that have uses to it i don't want to argue with people about things i think that the facebook the smart of the better facebook page is a nice curated page of interesting ideas and interesting conversations with people who we like so why not why not if you would like to support us 
feel free to share our podcast with others. Tell other people how great this podcast is. Yes. If by that point you're still sitting there going, I still have so much love to give, you can go to our Patreon page and support us. We have a $2 tier, which allows you to just give us a little tiny bit of money each time, Mm -hmm. which is like it's not even a third of a beer, so come on. No, it's nothing. Okay, there is the next tier, second tier, where you will get your name read out on each podcast until you email us in and say, Dan, you don't have to do that anymore. (laughs) And then we have our top tier. Greg, do you want to explain the top tier? The top tier is Dan Beeston will insult you on the podcast. Now, Now, how am I going to insult you, though? He's going to research you, research? look you up, and 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 find the thing that will cut you to the quick. He oh, will he will bear your very soul and destroy you. Okay. And as, as I write on the Patreon page, why would anyone want this? Why would they I don't want know. It? You're the one paying the money. Two more people do. have signed up, Greg. <laughs> okay. There are, there are six puppies in the audience. Well done, Al Batson. Oh, Al Batson, protecting your Twitter feed. Need to be invited to be a part of it. Oh, I bet you've got heaps of top-secret garbage that you've shared with your 36 followers. Oh. What's the point? Just write them down in a text document and delete it. Loser. <laughs> Ow. Wow. Hard to research that guy. He's a bit sort of like Mr. Security. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Scott Dr- Scott Driscoll. Oh, we know Scott Driscoll. You know, he's a he's a personal friend of ours. Yeah, he's in the comedy plays that we write. Yeah, he's oh, lovely. Actually, and you and I, uh, we were discussing like rewriting them for to have fewer cast members. Scott's yes. the first person I drop out. Right, good, like no, just I can that like obvious, yeah, yeah, no. like easy, Obviously. easy. Drop him, drop him out. <laughs> now, rem- now remembering Greg. That he's paid for me to abuse him, but you're yes. sitting here agreeing with me. Oh, that's, that's because I'm a bad person. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. So the next one on the list, Tom Siri. Now, if you remember Tom from last time, he actually sent me an email to tell me that he is not the plastic surgeon with the same name that I abused last right. episode. <laughs> so, um, Hang on. That plastic surgeon owes us $15. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, he didn't pay us to do anything, so I've actually offended the wrong guy. So I just, I just oh no, I just wanted to apologise to the real Tom Siri. Okay, so let's get back to this guy. Okay, he sent an email and he said, rather than sticking a circuit board into an oven, if I have access to a heat gun, it can work well to reflow to a specific area. And that he did this to a control board on a washing machine, and it worked like a charm. So for listeners who oh. didn't hear that episode, I put a, a motherboard of a, of a TV <laughs> system into the oven to get the mm. solder to line up again. But uh, Tom Siri has given me excellent advice, very sensible advice, on oh. how to solve that in the future. Very sensible advice. There's no whimsy in your heart, Tom. There's no whimsy. You're too sensible. That's why you'll never find true love, Tom. Wow. That's why your partner, if you have one, is cheating on you. Wow. We, wow. We're, woo. We're going there. Okay, we're halfway through the horror. What have we done? I'm feeling, I'm feeling, you're insulting them, but I'm feeling bad. What's going on? Dustin Fallon. This machine, this robot, this little chip inside my head is learning regret. Oh, great, great. I know now why you cry, but it's something I cannot do. Okay, (laughs) Dustin Fallon, 
Oh, studied at the Aeronautical Science a Letourne University. He is just an assistant manager at Walmart. That's the exact same thing I said last time. He is of so little value, I didn't even update his abuse. (laughs) That's a respectable job. Okay. Eric Wilson. Eric Wilson from before. Yes. Yes. Uh, Eric Wilson actually sent me an email. He said, you don't have to keep insulting me per se, but I do love being part of the podcast. (laughs) He had a list of uh, ideas, actually. He suggests instead of abusing people, we could have a tier of Patreon where those members can be part of the SE2KB research group, grabbing Mm. content and sending it in to help us. Also, perhaps a private group where first-tier members can chat and post science-y things to each other. Uh, He also said perhaps upper-tier members could have said, pick a subject we have to talk about or maybe a CryptoZoo subject each year. Like, they get to to sponsor a particular object. Okay. Those are stupid ideas and you've got a stupid face, Eric. (laughs) Look, we may we may actually take some of those ideas and just just, just point it out. We may actually, uh, you know, just you know, I might just grab them. I might just you know, yeah, they're, they're, dumb. Are, they're, they're very dumb. Yeah, yeah, they're no, they're good. No, no they're, they're great. Good. They're great ideas. Oh, no, I've, already, I've already insulted him now. I, it's yeah, a yeah. great idea. Yeah, well, no, as you pointed out, you insult him. I don't have to. So I think they're really good ideas. I, I think we might just take some yeah. of them. That'd be really good. Thanks, thanks, Eric. Okay, and finally, okay. last top tier thing, and I, I imagine people are they may be a bit tired of this. I don't know. Maybe this is this is good. Maybe it's getting their blood up. Okay, maybe their bubble is being reinforced. Okay, (laughs) Daniel Tuttle. Interesting little bit of uh, statistics here. Okay, if I took all of our second-tier members who we're going to name in the podcast, so I get Andrew Whitehurst, Matt Ewers, Elizabeth Yunkin, Phil Holland, Gyroscope, Lindsay Jenkins, Natalie, Michael Barnes, Steve Eichenhout, Matthew Toy, and Alana Mitchell, and I get Daniel Tuttle, and I reduce them to their component chemicals... (laughs) <laughs> they would be about 65% oxygen, 18% carbon, 10% hydrogen, then nitrogen, calcium, phosphorus, potassium, sulfur, sodium, chlorine, magnesium, iron, and iodine. Yes. At current prices, all of those people would be worth about $65.67. Oh. But if you removed Daniel Tuttle, it would be worth ever so slightly more. <laughs> If you would like to be abused on the podcast, you can go to our Patreon, linked to from smartenough.org, and sign up to the top tier. If you would just like to hear your name, you can pay $5 a month. If you would like to pay an enormous amount but not be abused, you can still go to tier two and just pay extra. And if you yep. just want to pop a little bit of a, a little gold coin into the pocket, $2 a month is also very blessed and more than we deserve. That's exactly right. And if you don't like Patreon, if you're against it for whatever reason, you can always just pop over to the Smarter to Better SC2KB page and put it into the tip jar. We have a tip jar as well. We have a tip jar as well that you can drop a couple of quid into as you're walking by. Now, one thing that Eric did say is that he thinks that top tier people should be able to send in ideas to yes. the podcast. Everyone can send in ideas. The less work I have to do, the better. <laughs> This is true. This is very true. Please, God, help us. Oh, please, help us. (laughs) And as we always like to say... Bowl Weevil Knievel! Woo! To acid... I hate saying this word. Acetaldehyde. (laughs) 
fan. I do not have access to electricity. It's nine ninety nine, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> and you can't afford it. <laughs> um, so... Sorry, nothing. That wasn't worth repeating. Was it a pun? It was. Well, yeah. Nine ninety nine. You can't afford it. It, it wasn't. That's, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm actually really sorry. I thought it was a good actually... electricity pun or something. No, no, it was just a bad, bad money pun. Fair I, I'm actually really, really bad about it. Can I? Oh. Oh. You know what? I'll edit it out. I love you. Thanks, man. No problem. <laughs> All right. It's going to the end, though, isn't it? You're going to put this at the end, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> of course I am. Damn it. Damn it.